Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Here we go. This week's talking points. It was announced the day before yesterday that Frankie Dottori would replace Richard Kingscote on Desert Crown in the Prince of Wales estates at the behest of owner Saeed Sahail. Uh, Kingscote will now ride Bay Bridge. It would seem he would have, I guess, had that not happened, had some sort of a choice. And if the rain came, then that choice might have been a difficult one. But notwithstanding that, Dottori gets around on one of the most high-profile horses in the country. What do you make of that? Yes, yeah, strong, punchy comments about... Frankie Dutori won't make any mistakes if he's he's riding the horse. I mean, it just shows how fickle racing can be and how tough on jockeys it can be, can't it? I mean, remember this time last year, it was pre-sabbatical and, and things went wrong for Frankie on Stradivarius. He lost the ride, of course, so he's not immune to this merry-go-round. And, uh, yeah, I feel a bit sorry for Richard Kingscott. Um, he's had a couple of nearly moments with, with Passenger, with Desert Crown and a few others. Um, he's taken it like an absolute champion and... Um, yeah, he could he could have a great chance in the race anyway. Talked quite a bit, didn't we, about the need for mental fortitude as a as a top flight rider, and he's going to need some now. Yeah, definitely. You know, you jockeys, you're going to be jocked off horses, but you know, being jocked off a good horse, it just takes the hit a bit harder, really. Um, you know, I think Richard conducts himself very well. You know, it's not easy to take, um, but you've got to. You've got to take it, haven't you, sometimes? No, I thought he uh, conducted himself very well. Did you see it coming? Uh, there was a question at the start of this season, wasn't it? And especially, I know Ryan Moore rode the horse in a couple of gallops, and I was mm. sort of thinking with his association with Sir Michael Stout, would he get the leg up on the horse? Um, but it seems like the owner, and you know, as they're entitled to do, has, has made this decision. Didn't necessarily see it coming. Um, there were some suggestions that it wasn't his finest hour in the Brigadier Gerard, but I think that's probably slightly harsh. I think it's... <laughs> extremely harsh mm. to be honest um, Nick Dottori is obviously going to be a massive focal point during Royal Ascot isn't he yeah and I think this this particular incident with again uh, riding to the crown it's more it's more about it being the Frankie Dottori show than not the Richard King, King's show I mean Richard is a top class jockey and and as as has been said, he conducts himself with amazing class. But you know, Dottori is getting Frankie. Not going to be Dottori. Frankie is getting a remarkable book of rides, and we're going to see lots of flying dismounts. Uh, yes, we are, and it, it's possible. I mean, I suppose if Haskoy doesn't run in a Gold Cup, hearing that he might ride Echoes in Rain for Willie Mullins in the in the Gold Cup, certainly that's what the owner would like. Anyway, uh, now the, there was a spate of. <laughs> Interesting non-runners at Brighton this week. Now, Maddie, can you just explain why? Yeah, so there was a technical malfunction with, with Weatherby's and the BHA. Basically, four horses, there were six horses in the race, four horses were ineligible um, to run because it was a, conditions for the race were that they couldn't have won more than two races mm -hmm. and four of them um, didn't fit into that category. Um, you know, BHA, Weatherby's both sort of said, you know, we apologise and have spoke about compensation. I know Brighton have um, given a... a a bit of a compensation to some of the riders and connections for going over yeah. there but it, they came out just before the race I think it was um, pretty ridiculous really that this would be allowed to happen it, it, yeah. the mind boggles doesn't it it, it does um, you know I think if we were as jockeys to get in trouble we get you know bans and all this and yet they get get away with saying oh we're sorry you know they've they knew the stipulations and I think you know it's not Brighton's as a race course is um, to go and, um, you know, compensate, you know, it's really probably the BHA and Weatherby, really. Uh, Weatherby's who um, should... Because there, there, should, there should be a mechanism. If you're not... Yeah. Uh, trainers can make errors in the entries. 
But there should be a mechanism, shouldn't there, Nick, whereby the computer just spits it out if you're not eligible. Yeah, and as I understand it, that is exactly what happens 99.99% um, mm, of the time. by the... <coughs> yeah, so obviously something went wrong here. It's unfortunate. I think probably one of those things, no need to dwell on it unless it becomes a regular occurrence, which seems to be very mm. unlikely. We did have an issue in the Badger Beer Chase at Wincanton a few years ago where yeah. a horse, Neil Mulholland, got, got, in, master. Correct, yeah. got into the race. Shouldn't have been in the race and ended up getting DQ'd, mm. having won. Yeah, it's a strange one, and it does happen as much as it shouldn't. It does happen. Um, poor old Alice Haynes. Uh, she, of course, had the, the favourite for the Epsom Dash, and then she had another horse taken mm. out here, and she's very much of that mm. view that, that, as Joe said, I mean, they'd get pulled up on, on everything if it, if it was their mistake. Uh, more of which in a, in a couple of moments' time. Oliver Sherwood has called time on his uh, training career this week. He is off to become an assistant to Harry Derham, uh, his rapidly expanding and new base. He will be a a, a big uh, plus to to Harry, and he's been a he's been a, a wonderful trainer and a, a great man to have in the in the game for an awful long time. Without question, one of the most respected trainers in in in, in jumping. Um, of course, he's not going, going. He's going off to Harry Derham, as you rightly say. And I think one of the most wonderful things about this story is, is that it seems that all the staff are going with him. So mm. it's, it's and the vast majority of the horses, including the horses, Queen's Gamble. Exa exactly right. So, so it's, it looks like a very positive move for him uh, and for the staff and for the horses. Uh, nobody says anything bad about Oliver Sherwood, Joe. No, um, obviously that's a bit more on, on the jumping sphere to the, the flat sphere. But you know, granted to him, you know, it's it's a. 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year um, job, isn't it? And you know, obviously, was it that he got a, th a few things that have kind of made him realise that you know it's not the be all and end all, and you want to enjoy life a little bit. So I say taking that step back, but still being in that role and with the horse and the staff and a bit home from home, you know, good on him. It's not an easy. Um, Thing to come to a decision really when you know it's ruled your life for I don't know you know how many years um, and not I mean yeah. not everyone is is Mick Easterby and <laughs> lives you know, and breathes it, 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 well, <laughs> but even if you do live and breathe I always think it's a it's a weird one training racehorses because it's as, it's, it's as though people think that there's some sort of element of failure if you stop doing it whereas mm. in fact everybody in, in almost every other walk of life steps back retires everyone says step back now but you know what I mean retires <laughs> yeah. or calls it a day or does something else yeah um Oliver's just had an amazing career and I spoke to Harry Durham about this earlier on in the week and um he's such an ambitious guy and he sort of I said isn't this unique that you've got a trainer who's going from you know going to be calling all the shots having the license to then being in a in a more supporting role and he said that just the mark of Oliver Sherwood the man you know there's not there's not an ego there he loves racing mm. you know there are a couple of reasons as Joe touched upon that he he couldn't make it pay and and I just think it's a really great decision and um, it's great that we're still going to be be seeing Oliver on the race course and uh, he's going to be involved with a really exciting team yeah we wish him we wish him well uh, one thing we won't be seeing any more of is racing in Singapore because the government have reclaimed the land which um, situates Cranji Racecourse, the main hub of racing in Singapore, um, for, for house building, house expansion programme, and that means racing is, Nick, no more. Um, do you have fond memories of racing in Singapore? Yeah, this is a very, very sad story, isn't it? Um, <coughs> I think, unfortunately, the, write the writing was slightly on the wall when the international races were folded up about, I don't know when it was, four, five, six years ago, probably longer, um, and uh, the big Chris Flyer sprint went off to um, to Hong Kong, and you you heard very little about Singapore from outside of the, the country, but very very fond memories. If I think of Singapore, I've got this great memory just of Presvis, 
Um, yeah, Luca know, Kimani. Yeah, a great international traveller. Up until very recently, I think still the highest prize money earner of all mm. time. I'm sure it's been surpassed several times now. Um, very sad, um, and m not much more to say really. It's, it's just very unfortunate. They'll be missed. I back pressed this each way in a seven runner race at Haydock on his debut. Beat. He was 50 to 1. <laughs> and? He looked a different class in the paddock <laughs> to all the others. Uh, he was third, having a qualifying run. <laughs> 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 Mark. He ended up winning way, way over a million pounds in prize money. Sad that, uh, that Singapore racing. I mean, you're a great internationalist, Maddie. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I never went racing in Singapore. I don't know if you did. You no, did you get there? Sadly not. Did you go racing in Singapore, Joe? I haven't. No. They had that great sprinter, didn't they? Rocket Man, and yeah. you had horses like Glory de Campeo and Presvias out there. And it seems like sort of. I don't know, 15 years ago, there was a real resurgence of that and lots of South African travellers as well. Obviously, there's sort of limitations on what they can do these days. But, um, yeah, just really sad. And the popularity of racing in Singapore seemed to, to dip and the horse population went down and then younger, uh, sort of newer fans are sort of have more interest in the casino side of things. And I think it's, it's a warning sign, really, for what can happen to a, a racing nation that was going for 180 years, I heard. So, yeah. You know, it's just desperately sad, but also shows what can happen. Interestingly, uh, Matt Chapman sent me a, uh, a clip of a um, radio talk show from Victoria um, off the back of this. And it was just like typical, like, like a lot of the stuff at the moment, and I've been on one this week, but a lot of kind of fill space stuff about horse racing and its place in the world. And he, they used in Victoria the closure of racing in Singapore at the opening gambit was... Right, welcome back. Uh, racing in Singapore is closed. Uh, should we do away with racing in Melbourne as well? And then they had a half an hour radio debate with a whole load of animal rights campaigners. And yeah, he was making the point, and it's the right one, that we are, you know, we're not the only country in the world having to make our case, Nick. No, we're not. Of course we're not. I mean, yeah, just very sad situation. As, as Maddie says, a, a, a bit of a, an, a, I wouldn't say an alarm bell, but a warning of what can happen if, you, if you're not on these things early. Okay, let's uh, talk about the search for a new PJA chief executive. Uh, Joe, are you are you one of the many that's now on the board of the PJA, or are you the only person that's not now on the board of the PJA? No, I'm not on the board of it's the PJA. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but um, no, um, obviously, we obviously get sent things out on, on WhatsApp and, and videos, so it's kind of just um, waiting and seeing and hearing. I mean, what do you want from your trade body I suppose is the obvious question it's a bit, probably a bit hard for me to, to comment because obviously I've, I've not long com, come into mm. so I've not had you know the past experience whatever you just I think just want to be supported and voice your opinions of all the jockeys not just you know the leading bits it's you know everybody um, and getting a point of view from everybody so sort of representation and yeah. is, is there a feeling maybe and I'm not trying to lead the witness but from what you've said is there a feeling that perhaps there are those whose voices are loud. Yeah, I'd say so, definitely. But I think, you know, it, it's a point of, you know, everyone has to voice their opinions to try and be heard. Um, like I say, I, I'm not one to probably be hugely involved. You know, you know, I go with the flow. I, you know, if I'm asked for anything, you know, you help on that front. Mm. Um, but, yeah. And you can, as mm. self-evident, and as you have discussed earlier, make yourself heard quite well. Yeah. <laughs> if, you need, <laughs> if you need to. But what, Maddie, what do you think the PJA needs? I mean, so the, the, the outgoing chief executive and, uh, has gone not exactly harmoniously, mm. has achieved 
the biggest pay rise the PJA have ever had, better facilities for, for male and female riders, and uh, better negotiations in terms of what the, what the jockeys get as part of the media rights pie. So that has been done well. What appears not to have been to the satisfaction of the jockeys was his visibility, particularly over issues surrounding whip suspensions and so forth. So what's the solution? I think all of this centres around communication and just people being clear of what they expect from someone in that role and equally the person in that role of what they expect of the jockeys. Um, you know, they've got to be heard. They, if they have an opinion, you know, you can't speak after um, things have happened. You've got to be proactive. I know it's hard, you know, jockeys racing up and down the country demanding job and have all sorts of different concerns from different areas of their profession. Um, but they really just need to get those channels of communication much stronger, I think, um, so that, that whoever is in this role in future can, can do the job that they want them to do. And you also need the job filled quite quickly, don't you? That's the other thing. You don't want a great period of limbo where nobody's doing it. Yeah, exactly. You know, Maddie makes a great point there. You know, the jockeys have to voice opinion before it's an issue rather than after it's already made a decision. So, you know, people have to voice their opinions which leads us on to proportionality of penalties. And this is particularly in light of two incidents that have taken place within the last eight days. We showed you the first of those last week, which involved uh, Marco Gianni and Harry Davis in the three-year-old dash at Epsom. Now, there was a, a really quite significant incident at Nottingham earlier in the week. Maddie, first of all, set it up for us here. Who are the players? Yeah, so Theodore Ladd, he's in behind. He's in the light blue silks. And then if you look at the horse on the right in the yellow sleeves, there you are, they're ringed for you. Um, yeah, you'll see as it plays on. He's on the eventual winner, Theodore, um, and just pretty much barges his way out. Um, it's really oh. not pretty viewing, yeah. Um, he received five days for this for careless, manoeuvre. yeah? which just seems absolutely so, bonkers, to be honest. So this is what I can't understand, Joe. You've got Marco at Epsom got six days for careless, for, uh, and Harry Davis's horse nearly went over the rails. That horse could have come down there. This is five days for careless. At what point do you become irresponsible or dangerous? I mean, what have you got to do? Or is it? Got, are they saying somebody's actually got to be loaded into an ambulance on a stretcher before it becomes anything more than careless? Exactly. You know, I, I was actually meant to ride that horse there for Reese Carr. That what, the one that was interfered was on, with? Yeah, that the one that was interfered with, mm. um, obviously until my injury. And like I was saying not long ago, you know, I'm naming no names, but you're getting jockeys that are getting, you know, 10 days, two weeks for being, say, two over in a class two, so getting 14 days, mm -hmm. yet you're getting something like that happening that, you know, is on the verge of being dangerous and only getting five days. I mean, you could you could kill someone by oh. riding like that. You know, it was I lucky mean. that that horse, you know, jumped and actually found its feet, but if you knock the horse off its feet, the jockey's down, you know, and if there's anyone else behind you, that then that's causing an issue for, you know, other horses in the race. And I think it's important to get your perspective on it because we can sit here looking at it. And, and last week we were looking at the Guiani incident and... Um, I can't. Uh, one of us was saying, well, was sort of not trying to make an excuse, but saying things are happening very quickly, da 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 da. But you're looking at those two instances and saying, come on, that's just unacceptable by any standard. Yeah, like anyone looking at that, you've all winced, haven't you, really? Mm. Uh, and he's probably lucky to have stayed on all four feet, really. Um, it's the fact that he's just gone and just, it's nearly not any consideration when he's made that move, he's just took it out. Now, you take quite a keen interest in this, Nick, because obviously you're, you're quite often having to 
look at how races are regulated, particularly with an international audience watching on, um, do, do our stewards need to be tougher on interference rules, do you think? Well, the stewards have to comply with, with the rules, obviously. The BHA, I mean, you know what I mean, yeah. The rules, yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think... But the stewards could have could have adjudicated that irresponsible. They could have. They probably well, they could have done. Day. Yeah, given the way the, the race pan the race pan out. I think what, what people want is consistency. I mean, that's 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 what people really want to see. And for it to be proportionate yeah, as well. Proportionate, consistent, and I think you know, especially in the world of whirlpool and what have you, you know, you, you know, people want to have a full credibility with the you know the results of the race one way or the other. Whether you know it's a disqualification in in certain cases if 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 the uh, if the incident is is particularly bad like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's tricky. Everyone's in a difficult position. While you talk about whirlpool and regulation, that incident with the stalls. Mm. Uh, the da- we, I mean, we did this all last mm. week, but just quickly from your perspective, that incident in the dash with the stalls not opening, what would you have done? Uh, I think they did the right thing to let the results stand because uh, <laughs> uh, ultimately they judged it that it was a, a, a minor uh, in, in, uh, uh, interference with the, with, the, with the end result. Of course, it, it wasn't helpful, but of course, in any jumps race, I mean, you can go off ten lengths in front of another mm. one. I think they had. To, I think they had to just. They, they, there was no. There was no C. It was A or B, wasn't it? If there was a C, I think they would have wanted to find it. But this it was a, a or B. But this idea that, <clears throat> that, that you know, Brand Dunshay was charged with, um, with with signing up to an international declaration of, uh, you know, nuance, if you like, mm. where, where the stewards had the power to rule those particular horses as non rounds or, or that there would be a refund on those horses for better. Well, that purposes. sounds that that is a sensible. That would have been and, a sensible compromise. And yet, the, yeah. the bookmaking industry in this country pushed back against it. Yeah, no, that that would have been that. That sounds like the logical way to go in in a in a scenario like this, which we did see, I think, at the Breeders' Cup a couple of years ago, with one of the Godolphin horses that, that modern, games. modern games. It was scratched, <laughs> yeah. and he wasn't scratched. Yeah, scratch wasn't scratched. Scratch yeah. wasn't scratched. But in the end, they decided he was running for the money, but not for the betting. Yeah, uh, a, a strange concept, but that was pre-race. But I, I guess had you backed one of those four horses and you found out you're getting your money back, you'd be pretty happy. But then, what are you doing? What have you got? Have you got four four rule fours? Mm. Are, you, are you decimating the returns of the people who have won? Um, and we know, I mean, you know, you're, 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 we were talking about Kenny McPeak earlier. He saw the funny side of the modern games thing because he had the second. He, famously, yeah. he's never trained a Breeders' Cup winner. He's over whatever it is now. Poor, poor man keeps getting reminded of it. Um, and he, he had the second. So on the on the you know the thing, the the result caption. He, modern games wasn't on the result caption. Modern games have won the race, got the prize money, not on the result caption. So McPeak's come down the stairs, going, "Well, I got my winner on the tote board anyway." Yeah, <laughs> and that was it. I mean, I think you know this is this is the thing. Everybody's just got to, got to find out you know a, a way of getting all all these rules as much as possible aligned. And we know how difficult that is in in, in terms of you know whip rules, um, betting rules, interference rules. You know, it's it's mm. it's a comp- it's it's a very very complicated. Uh, sphere but you know everyone's doing their very best to get it do they not need to look at the actual Mm. mechanisms of the stalls you might know more about this but if a horse is able to actually preempt and then barge this not only open the stall with its own force but cause that cause a knock-on effect to impact the other stalls around it is it not just a case of actually looking at how that mechanism works is there some technology we can implement the engineering is not good enough is it well, they've obviously got to give way in case anything was to happen in there. You know, I had um, a circumstance at, at Beverly the other day and it barged through it, but they have to be able to open to force the moment if anything bad was going to happen. Um, but obviously, I think in, in the dash, it wasn't that I think they were forced to open, it was that they were delayed. And I don't know if anything's been done, but 
what are they doing to s make sure that that doesn't happen again you know that oh. those four or five stalls open at the same time as the there's rest there's got to be some technology oh, well, that they can put in there to, mm. to gauge it point that we were making earlier in the week is that obviously our stalls get carted up and down the country yeah. and then you get two bits of stall kind of Just, yeah. chopped together um ask it what's it have you got your own stalls or you do you use stalls no no they're, they're race tech stalls because york race now have got their own stalls haven't yeah they? yeah i mean I, I, I this doesn't happen very often again it's it's one of those situations where if this if it if it's a regular thing there's a there's a huge problem was this an electrical fault was this a, a, a small a prevention of the charge going through. I don't think anybody really knows. Um, I haven't seen. I mean, you see, you see all sorts of incidents at the stores, but it's pretty rare that you see something like that. It's, it's unfortunate, isn't it? It's on a whirlpool day. It's on terrestrial television. It's on the highest profile uh, Saturday for, for a derby day and what have you. So it's not ideal, but uh, sense of proportion, perhaps in 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 how big an incident it is as, as well, perhaps. All right, those were this week's talking points.